Hi, it's Claire here from Come Back Brighter. I'm doing a special video today about a death in the family, okay? And this could be the narcissist themselves, it could be their partner, so the, the enabler, an enabler, or it could be about the death of another family member. So the first thing that I want to say is that <sighs> a narcissist will exploit this drama, this high emotional time for their own advantage, okay? And that could be if they're the one that's not very well, or it could be if it's their partner, or if it could be an, another family member. They will, be ex they will exploit this to the maximum of their capabilities. They will use this to create as much drama as they possibly can, because they're aware that when somebody is seriously ill, they are aware that emotions are heightened, okay? And when there's heightened emotions, basically there's a greater opportunity for the narcissist to create drama, to stir, to lie, to exaggerate, and to get attention and energy. So none of this will be about the narcissist having any true, sincere care or concern or love for the person who is seriously ill or dying. For them, it is just an opportunity to exploit for the maximum benefit for themselves so that they can get they can get attention and energy from everybody else being pulled into the drama okay that's the first thing to say so um the other thing is that with the death of someone within the family it's going to be the time when any of the fear obligation and guilt that you've not worked through completely will be reawakened. So it will be the time, if you've got any residual guilt, a little bit of obligation left or any fear left, the, the death of a family member or the, the, the dying, you know, the seriously ill uh, family member situation will be the time when it will reawaken that, okay? Because what, what, what potentially is going to happen is that as soon as uh, the seriousness of the situation is known, the narcissist and their entourage will be exploiting it to the maximum of, the, of their ability for the drama and attention. So the narcissist will be the centre of all the drama and attention. And they may be the one that's actually, uh, they may be the one that's seriously ill. They may also be the one who is uh, causing the trouble. So they may be the one who's actually overtly uh, pointing fingers and making accusations or saying that people don't care or, or whatever it is. Or they may be much more covert about it and they may be, you know, causing trouble between family members. They may be 
um, stirring and adding to the rifts between family members because they know exactly the dynamic of their family and they'll be exploiting it all. So they're either, either directly right in it and they'll pull in everybody that they can into the drama or else they're outside of it a little bit, but they're dictating it and they're contriving the drama. They're creating the drama between other people and they're enjoying seeing the infighting and the stress that this will be causing. Okay, so the other thing is to mention is that this will be the time when the flying monkeys and even maybe potentially some surprise flying monkeys might come out of the woodwork. Okay, so I don't know if you already know, but I would have mentioned in, in previous videos that if you go no contact, the best thing is to consider blocking anybody who you think is not interested in the best thing for you okay anybody who previously has acted on behalf of the narcissist anybody who's who's involved themselves in something that they shouldn't be involved in um you know anyone who who you know hasn't got your back really and the best thing is to do is to block them as well because the not what the narcissist will do they will recruit anybody and this could be somebody that you knew even 10 years ago, if they can find them easily on Facebook or whatever, then they may well contact them and get them to contact you. So this is the time when also the kind of gaps that maybe you've left open communication between yourself and certain people, and this could be family members, it could be family friends, it could be acquaintances, it could be anybody, okay? The narcissist will recruit anybody to do their dirty work for them, anybody who's willing to do it. So this will also show up the kind of areas or the, the people in your life that you haven't um, haven't protected yourself from too, okay? So the way I see this is the, the potential demise of a family member, no matter who it is, will be a chance for the the family members who've been continued in contact with the narcissist and the friends of the narcissist to effectively start like a big pile on for you they will be putting on the maximum pressure onto you okay and it and it will it could be a sustained thing because don't forget that you know potentially with a narcissist, with with anybody with anybody being seriously ill there, there could be a period when they're seriously ill and then there'll be a time when they die and then there'll be a time when there's a funeral and then there's the time when there's a will. So effectively, you've got kind of like three or four stages there. It's not just over with one stage. And all of the people who who have been recruited before and all of the people that believe the narcissist and all of the people that choose to spend time with a narcissist potentially will be used to try to pull you back in. Okay, so the, do not underestimate what's going to what's going to happen when when this occurs. And it doesn't matter if you've been no contact for for a couple of days, for a week, for a month, for six months, for ten years. I do believe the time of a family family death or family serious illness will be the time when uh, the true toxicity 
of the narcissist of the narcissist and the narcissist's family and their friends will be revealed in a way that has never ever been shown before okay so this is the time when when it's really really important to protect yourself okay so this is something what i suggest is if this is something that you're thinking about and i think it's something that we all think about when we go no contact because the day will come when the narcissist their partner or a family member will pass on and we kind of i i personally think it's better to be prepared for it so if you're prepared for it then one of the things that that you could do is actually go through your contacts okay in in wherever they are it could be they email you message you facebook whatever it is go through and just make sure that you're clearing out the people from there who who may be recruited as the flying monkeys when the time comes okay so go through the contacts and anybody who you don't feel a hundred percent has got your back then unfriend them block them whatever you have to do to protect yourself from them okay because as far as i'm concerned the priority is to protect yourself okay so i'm just going to have a look and check my notes the other thing as well something to work through as well is is there any residual fear, obligation or guilt there whenever you think about the prospect of the narcissist enabler or family member dying? OK, is there anything there that needs to be cleared out? Anything there that needs to be processed and maybe ask yourself a few journaling questions over it to to release yourself from those last dredges of that fear, obligation and guilt, because this is going to come up for you on on a de on the death of or serious illness of a family member okay i'm just going to check my notes yeah so the thing is if you do manage if a flying monkey or multiple flying monkeys manage to get through to you the chance that they are going to be using all of their weapons of manipulation against you all of them okay they will be doing everything they can to try to pull you back in okay and the, and multiple people will be doing it okay this could be the time when you hear from great aunt bertha who you've not heard from in 20 years okay everybody who will be contacting you about this will be using manipulation techniques so they'll be trying to instill that sense of obligation in you to either go and visit this ill family member or to go to the funeral or or anything else okay and this is when it really really is important to think about the best thing for you so they'll be trying to make you feel guilty there'll be there'll be no concern for you and your situation or your family or anything it will be pure manipulation pure guilt trips pure obligation and pure uh, fear tactics to try to get you to either visit your ill relative or to go to the funeral, okay? Effectively what happens, I think really, when it comes down to the death of a family member, uh, uh, it really is the time when the family will rally around and it will look like they're all united, okay? But we know the truth, right? If you're if if somebody is in, is still out of choice 
involved with a narcissist, then to be honest with you, there's something wrong with them. If, if they're making the choice to spend that their time with that narcissist, they're still in regular contact with them and they're doing their dirty work, then there's something very wrong with them. Okay. And it could be they're narcissists themselves. It could be they're toxic, they're negative, or it could be that they've got wounds themselves that are being exploited. But if, it, if it's the last one, they shouldn't be interfering in other people's business. And they've just gone along with what they've been told by the narcissist. Okay, so it looks like they all rally around and they'll all potentially be trying to contact you to pressure you. Okay, um, now it could be if you've got the situation where you've got a family member who's who's seriously ill. First of all, I want to just say that if you've got a narcissist involved with, with any of this, they, it could actually be just an absolute lie. It could be an outright lie how ill this person is, okay? It could also be massively exaggerated how ill they are, okay? Because when you've got the narcissist involved in this, they'll be wanting to pull in the maximum amount of drama and attention and energy that they can. If, if, if it's them that's ill, it's exactly the same case as if it's somebody else that's ill, okay? So that's all they'll be concerned about. And they won't care that they've exaggerated or lies or anything, just as long as they're still getting their attention and energy, okay? So if if you're re receiving a message, if you're actually in this situation right now, then I suggest that you try to get as close to that person as you possibly can, taking the narcissist out of the form of communication if you can, if it's possible and practical for you to do that, okay? So if there's somebody else you can call who knows what's going on and knows direct from the person who's not very well or from their doctor or what have you, then approach them. Don't necessarily just believe what the narcissist is tell you, telling you or what somebody acting on their behalf is telling you, Okay, so the, the closer you can get, and maybe if you can actually phone the, the hospital and get direct in contact with a doctor or nurse who's dealing with your particular family member, I don't know how that stands. I don't know if they have the right to tell you that information, but that that is the best case scenario if you can completely take the narcissist or any other family members out of the equation and go straight to someone who'll be able to give you the actual information about that family member so you know then what you're hearing is 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 the truth okay um the other thing as well is um effectively i think what can happen is if if we haven't healed if we haven't worked and through um and processed our grief at going no contact with a with a narcissistic family member if if they're on their deathbed and they're asking to see you, the chances are the last message that they actually want to leave you with will be a message uh, that you don't want to hear. It's not going to be a deathbed confession of love and support and caring. Okay, I, I, they, a narcissist in their life is vile, and a narcissist on their deathbed is exactly the same. It's no different, okay? And I think potentially if you've not 
grieved enough or not processed enough, you can expect or hope for some last minute message from them on their deathbed that they love or care for you. And, and that's not going to happen. If they couldn't say that to you whilst they were alive and they couldn't say that to you when you were a child, then they're not going to say it when they're on their deathbed either. Okay. And what they can say to you will, could potentially be devastating. Okay. And set you back a long way in your healing process. Okay. Um, so, uh, what else? Hang on. Right. So here we, and here we go. And here's a slightly different dynamic. So it's not the narcissist, but perhaps it's their enabler partner who's the one who's seriously ill. Now, if this is the case, this is what to expect. The narcissist will take 100% control of the people that their partner sees, okay? The narcissist will expect to take 100% control of their care and know everything that's going on with their doctors and nurses It because that is what gives them the power and control, okay? So effectively, what it will become like is that everyone has to get permission of the narcissist to see their partner, okay? And it doesn't matter who you are, if the narcissist decides you're not allowed to see them, then they will do everything they can to stand in your way. And again, this is to cause maximum drama. The more they can stand in the way, the more, if you want to see your enabler parent, the more the narcissist can, can stop that, the more drama they cause, the more attention and the more energy they get. Okay, so they will do everything they can to try to prevent that. If this is the situation that you're in and you want to see your enabler, enabler parent, again, don't necessarily expect any deathbed confessions of love or support or anything. But if you do want to see them, then see if you can work out a time and a place when you can get in there that's got nothing to do with the narcissist. So ask about the hospital visiting times. If they're in a hospice, ask for their visiting times. Any way in which you can take the narcissist out of the equation because it's not actually up to them to decide. Okay, so if, if that's something that you really want to do, then again, take them out of the equation because again, they'll be exploiting this to the maximum for their benefit. Um, okay, so I've talked a lot about when they're actually ill. Okay, so if you, if you manage, if you don't actually contact them when they're not when they're seriously ill then expect them to have contact then you will be told by somebody i'm sure um that they're seriously ill and you'll also be told when they die okay now this is when the dynamic will, will shift okay or will be different is depending on who it is that's died okay so if it's the narcissist that's died i believe what will happen will be the enabler partner will just do whatever they're told by the golden child. And they will do what they're told by the golden child because that's what they've always done. And they've always obeyed a narcissist. So effectively, the enabler will shift from the narcissist partner to their narcissistic child, okay, the golden child. And they will do whatever they have to to keep the golden child happy and really that's just to make life as easy as possible for themselves and this could be even if it's to their own detriment 
So it could be even if, uh, say, for example, they don't want to sell their home because they're happy being there. They may well do that because that's what the golden child wants. If the golden child wants a big lump sum of money, then that's what they may well do. They will do whatever they have to to make their life as easy as possible with the golden child. OK, so that's if it's if the, that's the enabler that survives. OK. Um, and again, it will be the same with the funeral arrangements. So the golden child might actually say that certain people aren't allowed to go to the funeral of their narcissistic parent and the enabler partner will just go along with it. OK, so effectively that the, they shift from their narcissistic partner to their narcissistic child. And then the narcissistic child becomes in charge of everything. OK, and again, they're after attention and energy. So if if you wanted a certain hymn, if, if you wanted something certain at their, at their funeral, then they're going to make sure that you don't get it. And the more drama they can create but with the funeral arrangements, the more energy and attention they're getting, which is what they desperately need. OK, so. Um, if. Um, if the narcissist survives, now this is this is a different dynamic. So if the enabler is the one that, that passes on and the narcissist survives, then what this becomes then is the fight between the narcissistic parent and the golden child. Because the golden child will want whatever they want. OK, and they're used to getting their own way. They're used to getting their own way when the dynamic was the narcissistic parent and the enabler parent, they will just give them their own way. And they will expect that same dynamic after the enablers died. However, what might happen with the with the arrangements, not just the funeral arrangements, but maybe with, with financial arrangements or the arrangements for the will, could well be that the narcissistic parent and the golden child start to fight between the two of them. Okay, because ultimately it could be that the narcissistic parent wants something different than what the cold golden child wants. And they're both used to getting their own way. And then you've got a really massively stressful situation where you're if you're the scapegoat and you're involved, you're stuck in the middle of all of it. Okay. And of course, there's only so much that the golden child can actually uh, say that they want. Uh, especially if it's concerning their parents' money or their property or whatever, but they will expect it. They're in, they feel entitled. Okay, so so they will be very very angry if the narcissistic parent doesn't do what the golden child wants them to do, and that will be the time when there'll be massive massive family stress and falling out and all hell will break loose. Okay. Um, oh, of course, the other thing as well, I just, uh, I've, I've got as well is that if, um, if the family start to contact you, okay, what potentially is happening when the family are contacting you to tell you that someone is seriously ill or needs additional care is the family may well be contacting you because they expect you to be the one who cares for your sick relative. OK, and if you're the scapegoat, the dynamic is usually that you're the one that's expected to take up the bulk of the care 
of a sick relative. Okay, and that's that's not that you've said you'll do that. You've not given, uh, you know, you've not accepted that as your role. But that is what the family will expect from you. And what could actually happen is, first of all, the family want to pull you in to be the one that does the care for the sick person. And then if they die, then they want to pull you into contact so that you will be the one who looks after the remaining parent. Because ultimately, they don't want to do the looking after. They don't want to do the caring for them. So they may well just be trying to pull you back in just to make sure they're the ones that are not left with the bulk of the care of the sick parent or the surviving parent who will then at some point themselves become less and less able and perhaps potentially iller and iller until then they themselves are dying. So this the whole reason why the family might rally around is to pull you back in because none of them want to have that role. They know it's a crap role. They know they'll be treated like dirt and they don't want to have that particular position. Okay. Um, now, the other the other way that I see that, uh, see, see, you could be completely out of all the, you know, the, you could only be informed once your family member has died, okay? And then the question will become, do you go to the funeral, okay? And the, the way I see this, okay, is if there's a narcissist involved in any element of this, okay, you effectively have... Uh, all the members of the family who have chosen to remain in contact with a narcissistic relative, whether they're the ones that have died or whether somebody else has died, but if there's a narcissist involved at all, all the people around them have effectively chosen to remain in contact with a narcissist, okay, on a sliding scale. So there may be some that have lower contact, but there will be others that choose to have regular contact with the narcissist because they get something out of it or they're narcissistic themselves or whatever it is. And effectively, what can happen is if you go to the funeral, it can be an ambush, okay? It can be that you're walking into like the lion's den. You've got all these people that believe the narcissist, believe the narcissist's lies and smear campaign against you. And the funeral is the time when you could be walking in to you don't know what, okay? It could be the time when they all turn on you overtly and it just turns out to be terrible, okay? So if you've got any sensation that it's going to be like an ambush, that, well, you don't have to go. You don't have to go anyway, okay? And as far as I'm concerned, if you're making the decision about whether or not to go, then the primary consideration has to be, is this the best thing for you? Is this the best thing for you? Okay, and put all that fear and obligation and guilt to one side, because truly the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, is if you're low contact or no contact, is about protecting your well-being. And if you're going into a circumstance where they appear to be at least all united and all believing the lies of the narcissist, then you're potentially putting yourself in a very, very vulnerable situation. Okay, so, um, you know, if you do feel that you have to go, then go with somebody and have an escape plan. Okay, so maybe go to the funeral, but maybe not the wake afterwards if there is one, or make sure you've got your own transport 
so that you can get out at any point in time, even if it's only five minutes into the funeral. If you feel truly that, that uncomfortable about being there, you have every right to leave at any time. Okay. Um, but like I say, the best thing is not to go. The best thing is not to go. And if, and if this is a family member who, who you had a connection with, who, who you think did care about you and, and you want to mark their passing in some way, you don't have to go to their funeral to do that. You can, you can do your own ceremony. You could do, you know, plant a tree in your garden. You can, I mean, I know, Google it online and see if there's anything else that you can do that you can mark it in your way to make it a private thing. So you're not going to potentially be back in contact with toxic family members, but you're still marking their passing in some way. Okay. Um, and the other thing is to say is sometimes it's easier to suffer saying no to going to the funeral or whatever it is to suffer that than it is to suffer the consequences of going. Okay. So the way I see this is, is, is two routes of suffering. You can either say no at the outset. Okay. And you'll get all the flying monkeys messages and all the rest of it, but you can block them. You can ignore them. You can pass them to your partner or a friend to screen them for you. There's a way around that. You don't have to, you don't have to let that in. You don't have to read their messages. You don't have to accept that. that. Um, um, but if you go, and it is an ambush, then the stress and everything that you're going to get from this is going to be horrific. Okay. It's going to be absolutely horrific. Okay. Um, so yes. So I think that I've basically covered everything that I want to say about that. Um, now how, how do I know all this? You, you may well ask, how do I know this? Uh, I don't know this. Um, but all of the things that I've said have been based on my own personal experiences or people that I've spoken to, their experiences. OK, so so I myself have had, um, first of all, uh, the setup where the enabler partner died before the narcissist and then the narcissist remained. Um, and I've also had friends that have had family members die and the whole deathbed confession um or the deathbed declaration of love just didn't happen and and left them utterly devastated so um so that's how i know this is this is all from my own experiences and from other people's experiences that i've heard second hand so it's it's really really important to work through everything that you've got to work through uh, to work through that fear obligation and guilt and to also um, ensure that those messages from the flying monkeys can't get through to you. If you want to know if there's if a family member's ill, then maybe leave one form of communication open with somebody. Okay, um, leave that open and and be prepared. Prepare yourself for what will happen. Okay, and most of all, don't let that fear, obligation, and guilt be the reason why you uh, put yourself in a situation which you're going to suffer for, okay? That's really, really important, is to actually consider what you want, which is the most important thing, okay? So if this is something you're going through at the moment, okay, 
or, or you're worried about this happening. And I know that I personally have given this a great deal of thought because my parents are getting older and I know the day is going to come one day when they're going to get ill um, and I'm going to be told and then they're going to die and, and the funeral and all the rest of it is something I do think about. But if you need additional support, if this is something you're going through right now or this is something that's causing you anxiety that you will go through in the future, then book a power hour session with me and we'll work through it together to help you feel better, to help you feel empowered and to help you feel more peaceful and calm. So when the time comes, you feel that you can cope with it. Okay. Or if you're in it, you feel that you can cope with it. Okay. Take care. Bye.